0: Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play full time fantasy. Full time fantasy.
1: It is full time fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis solo for the final hour here on a Tuesday afternoon, taking you until. 4 p.m. Eastern. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Ronis. You can find me on the gram at Aaron88. And you can find all my work, fulltimefantasy.com. My latest is a look at Hinjin Ryu. What do you do with him? Because the easy answer is to sell when you look at his injury history. But he's been one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball. Only one of two pitchers with an ERA under two in a time where pitching has been very difficult to find off the waiver wire, especially in deeper formats. So what should you do at Ryu? Should you trade him now? i let you know and break it down so you can check it out, fulltimefantasy.com. Sean Childs continues to look at all the NFL teams. He's now in the AFC West. His latest is a look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and they are certainly another interesting team for fantasy, especially since... We're not sure what's going on with Tyreek Hill right now, so you can get the breakdown from Sean Childs there. Dr. Otto has his training camp questions. His latest is a look at the Denver Broncos. And don't forget, we have now the full-time fantasy podcast network, and we're adding shows every day. Jim Day, a.k.a. Fantasy Taz, doing a g- good job putting this together. We'll have a lot of those hosts on this show upcoming, so you can get introduced to them. But make sure you check it out. Uh, you can go to fulltimefantasy.com there's an article up explaining the breakdown and shows are being added it feels like hourly so definitely some good names on there so make sure you check that out and if you have any questions you could ask them on the message boards and the forums when you become a member of course we get scout df i mean dff fulltimefantasy.com/dfs so you can go there and check out The write-ups for baseball for the day. We got an optimizer. We got the Slack chat leading up to lineup lock, where you can ask your questions and discussions back and forth. So plenty of content there. And, of course, playffwc.com. Make sure you sign up for a draft, whether it's live in Vegas at the Palms, first weekend of the fantasy football season and the NFL season. In September, we'll be out there. If you can't make it, you could always get involved in a world championship or an online championship online. There's different price points, different draft times, even different clocks. One-hour clocks, two, four, six. So some of you guys are very impatient. You want to make your picks quick, and you have the access to do that. So if that's the case, maybe you want a one-hour clock. But whatever it is, what we try to do is have different price points, different clocks for everyone. So you go there. You look and see what fits your needs, and then you make the decision accordingly. So uh, you could check that out now. Again, we got best ball drafts as well. So uh, it is June, and it is time to start drafting and really getting in that football mode. Uh, We got OTAs, training camp just around the corner. It's never too early, and it's going to be here before you know it. And that's the thing is you don't want this to pile up. You know, you got Father's Day coming up, July fourth summer vacations and then all of a sudden it's like august and you're like oh my goodness i didn't start my prep you don't want to be in that position you always want to be ahead of the curve there's plenty of content that we provide news is coming out every day and you always have to be adjusting on the fly i mean once i get my rankings you know they're constantly changing uh, because you're doing more research you're reading things you're figuring things out and you know we forget because the season ended you know months ago and there was free agency the draft and we tend to forget there's new coaches so you're digging in doing more research and a lot changes so uh, make sure that you stay on top of things you really don't want to fall behind and that's what the successful players do they're always on the grind they're always doing research and uh, it never stops so I know some of you're like oh it's June it's too early nope even if you play fantasy baseball and I do play in about I don't know, 11, 12 season long leagues, a lot of waiver wires, but you got to always be on the grind and multitask. Uh, we'll have Frank Stanfel from FNTSY coming up in the next segment. We'll talk some basketball with him, maybe a little baseball as well. But let's take a look at some of the news going on right now. And uh, the big story that we're waiting for today is Andrew McCutcheon of the Phillies. Did not look good yesterday. He hurt his left, me- left knee in a rundown last night in the first inning. He had to be helped off the field. He's having an MRI today. I did see him tweet out earlier, you know, prayers for me. Obviously, he's hoping that this is not too serious. I got to think he's going to miss time here. Uh, and, and it could be potentially be serious. That's the problem here. Uh, he's almost certainly going to go on the injured list, is my guess. He was using crutches to get around after the game. So this uh, would be a, a big loss for the Phillies, obviously. And I don't know if it's a – I guess it depends on – your fantasy team construction. Uh, But it is a pretty big loss, especially in OBP leagues. You know, McCutcheon's always been a big OBP guy. He's only hitting .256, but a .378 on-base percentage. He has 10 home runs. He has been walking a ton. He scored 45 runs. I mean, that's a ton of runs. We're here on June 4th. He's got 45 runs, so he was well on pace for over 100. And depending, especially if this lineup could get hot, because that's the thing. When you look at the Phillies lineup this year, Has anyone really had, like, a great year? They really haven't. It's been pretty solid. Like, I was looking at Gene Segura's numbers today because someone asked a question about him, and he's not running that much. He has three stolen bases. I think we all felt, all right, we're drafting Segura. We're going to get 20. He's going to score runs hitting second in that lineup, and he has not tons of power, five home runs. Reese Hoskins has had a nice year. Not great. He's cooled off a little bit. Bryce Harper has had an okay year. I think most people are disappointed in him. JT Romulo has not had a big year. Mikel Franco got off to a hot start. He's really cooled off. They really don't have anyone in this lineup that you go, wow, look at the numbers they're putting up. And that could change easily, especially as we get into the summer and the heat here in Philadelphia. So that's why it could get better. I mean, losing McCutcheon, though, for the Phillies is a pretty big loss. Remember, they're without Odubel Herrera, is on administrative leave. And they still have some, you know, Roman Quinn's a guy that maybe you thought would gain uh, an advantage. But he's been dealing with a groin injury. So they've already called up Adam Hazely from AAA. Uh, he was the number eight overall pick in the 2017 draft. And, you know, between A AA and AAA this season, decent numbers, but not great. He's not a highly regarded prospect. 275, 358, 466 slash line, seven homers, 23 RBIs, and five steals between A AA and AAA this year. I mean, Scott Kingery, you got to think, is going to get a big boost in playing time. You know, you could see him in center field quite a bit. Uh, and he's cooled off a little bit as well. But he's got some pop, got some speed. And, of course, Jay Bruce, who they recently acquired, he's expected to play left field mostly against right-handers. But either way, Kingery's not the most experienced center fielder. So definitely uh, some issues there for uh, Philadelphia right now. But, again, we don't know yet exactly the – extent of the injury but I gotta think McCutcheon's gonna land on the injury list and it's a matter of how severe is the injury is this something he can come back from in a couple weeks or is this something that's gonna be months so if we get any word during the show we will pass that along but no news just yet so we're still kind of waiting for those MRI results the other big thing from yesterday which we didn't have during the show was Keston Eura was sent down and a lot of people are surprised by this and you know there's gonna be people who say Oh, look at all those fools who spent all that money on Hero, And I didn't spend it on him. I didn't open up the bank. I did think there was a chance he gets sent down. Uh, and and people spent a lot of their budget. Now, for Austin Riley, and he was usually the guy, it's worked out so far. And he might cool off. But you have to understand, not every big money fab guy is going to work out. There is definitely risk. And if someone's telling you there's no risk, they're they're lying to you. And a lot of times, we don't know. I mean, Juan Soto came up last year and crushed, and he was a league winner. That's the thing, is that you can potentially get a league winner off of these guys. Now, we have seen a lot of these guys not work out, get sent down. Nate Lowe is an example. But here is a highly regarded prospect. The problem is here that it feels like the Brewers think that they owe Travis Shaw something here. And, you know, Shaw's had big power the last couple years. He's really struggled this year. And he wasn't even really hitting in his rehab assignment either. He had a 235 average, 357 OBP, and 324 slugging with one home run in 10 rehab games. So they did say he was experimenting with some different mechanical techniques. So uh, Shaw's going to go back to playing third base. Stockers will move back to second. And Kira was sent down. And. While Hira was starting to hit, there, there was some flaws in his game. But the final line for Hira was 281, 333 OVP, 531 slugging. He had five home runs and 69 plate appearances. And the issue was a 33.3% strikeout rate and a 4.3% walk rate. So there were some bumps there. But he, had, did, he did cut down the strikeouts over the last uh, week. You know, he was down to twenty two point two percent, which shows he was beginning to make some adjustments and he had three homers in his last six games. So I know Hura owners are very disappointed. He could be back up because I this is a team that's contending for the division title. And they don't really have time to experiment. And if Shaw comes back and continues to struggle, I wouldn't be surprised if Hura gets the call back up. So I think it really depends on how deep your roster is, what are your other options? But here is a guy, if you spent on, I would try and hold on. I wouldn't be surprising to see him back in a week or two. So uh, the lesson is understand that there's risk with all these guys, but there's also immense upside. You know, if Hira was raking like Riley, maybe they don't make this move. But I think we did understand, okay, Travis Shaw is a veteran that has produced. They might give him another opportunity. I was thinking, and I don't I don't own Keston Hira anywhere, so this doesn't, affect me at all, I was thinking that maybe they move Shaw to first base because it's not like Jesus Aguiar or Eric Dames have really done a ton. They have not been productive. And Aguiar obviously had a great year last year. Maybe they want to be patient with him, but I thought there was a chance that maybe Maybe Shaw goes to first base, but apparently that's not in the cards for them. Some other news from today, Pedro Strope was activated off the injured list, uh, or he's going to be activated today. Uh, That should come before today's game. Uh, He threw three scoreless appearances at AAA. Uh, He had that hamstring injury. And my guess is they ease him back in. I would think he gets the job back. I hope he doesn't. And, again, this is selfish because I have uh, Steve Ciszek in a few leagues. And I really don't have many closers. So I'm hoping Ciszek keeps the job or at least gets a share of it. It's always difficult to try and figure out what – uh, Joe Madden's going to do with his bullpen, but I would be holding on to c I left him in the lineup this week, and obviously I have to keep him in since the Cubs played yesterday. But, you know, Strope was pitching well. I mean, the overall numbers don't look good because he had that one bad outing, and he might have even been hurt in that outing, but he's done a, a pretty good job for them. Uh, c has two. He had really like one bad game. Uh, Strope has a 506 ERA. The one concern about him is the walk rate is 12.2%. Uh, that's a problem as a closer. You can't continue to walk guys uh, as a closer because it'll cost you your job. So that's something to keep in mind. But it was really that one bad outing. Uh, he had, he allowed, well, three earned runs, three walks without getting an out. That was the last outing we saw him, and he might have been hurt that game. So that's really where most of the walks come from for Stroke, Uh because he's only thrown 10 and two-thirds innings this year and five walks. So numbers are a little misleading for him, but uh, I would hold on to c just in case he does get some save opportunities. The Indians have placed Jeffrey Rodriguez on the 10-day injury list. He's got a right shoulder strain. Uh, he left Saturday's game with this. Not a, Look, he wasn't good. You know, He came up and just wasn't that good. Uh, to replace him for now, they have activated Tyler Naquin, the outfielder off the injured list. For uh, the Indians, Heimer Candelario was placed on the 10-day injury list with left shoulder inflammation. He was just called up to the majors last week and really struggled. hitless over his last 10 at bats So uh, he is someone that maybe some people picked up, hoping that a minor league stint would fix his problems. But apparently that's not the case as he is injured and going on the injury list for now for the Tigers. Other things that stood out uh, yesterday was John Lester really good performance. Seven innings, one run, six cases here. He's now 3.32. Uh, and I, I've been doubting Lester, but he continues to get it done. And it's just a, a pitching environment where it's been really tough to find really good pitching. And Lester went through a stretch of three games where he did not pitch well. He is allowing more hard contact. So, there's definitely some concern. But he's a savvy veteran that looks like he still might be able to, to pitch around some things. Uh, Walker Buehler with a dominant outing yesterday. And, you know, Walker Buehler got off to a really rough start. And a lot of it had to do with really not pitching much in the spring. Uh, and we saw that being the issue for some of the starters for the do- uh, Red Sox as well. But Walker Buehler is in a groove right now. Uh, yesterday... Dominant performance, eight innings pitched, one run, two hits, no walks, and 11 K. So all of a sudden, that ERA is down at 3.69. So essentially, his spring training was like the first month of April because he didn't throw much in the spring. And I think that was one of the big reasons for his struggle because all of a sudden, those numbers are getting better. And he still has some poor luck in the strand rate, 64% strand rate. Should be more closer to 72%, 73%. But all of a sudden, the control is a lot better. Uh, The walk rate is 4.4%. The strikeout rate is getting closer to what we saw last year. The whip is one. So, uh, you know, a lot of people drafted this guy in the third fourth round, and it looked bad early on, but he's finally living up to those expectations right now. The velocity looks good. He's getting the same swings and misses. So a lot of his numbers are right in line with last year right now. It just took him some time to get into a groove, maybe build up that arm strength. But over the last several outings, He's been really good. Now, he wasn't good against the Mets. He allowed five runs in five innings, but that was really his one bad start uh, recently. You know, he's had some really good outings. The strikeouts are up. The 11 strikeouts are a season high. He's pitched at least six innings in five of his last six starts. So it's been a much better transition here for Bueller. who looks to be getting into a groove right now. When we return, I'll be joined by Frank Stample, FNTSY, to talk some NBA Finals with him. Because it is one-one between Golden State and Toronto. We'll break it down next here. It is full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.
2: Open the That's
0: 866-484-9621 DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players We don't just give you premier advice We play every day
1: Back here, it is Full-Time Fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I am Adam Ronis here until 4 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget, yeah, you can check us out, fulltimefantasy.com. I got a look at Hinge and Ryu. What should you do with him? Is it time to sell him now, or should you ride the wave, get the answer? In my article, also, we got in-depth team outlooks from Sean Childs. His latest is a look at the Kansas City Chiefs, and you could ask your questions on the message boards and forums at fulltimefantasy.com. Joining me now, it is Frank Stanfield from FNTSY. Frank, what is going on?
3: Ronis, what's going on, man? I'm doing well. How's everything with you?
1: That's okay.
3: I feel like you always say that. I come on here, you never sound enthusiastic. Come on, lighten up a little bit, Ronis. You're not, you're not excited to be alive?
1: I am. I just wish I was in less pain, that's all.
3: What's going on? You want to talk about it? Ah,
1: My, sh- my shoulder, man. Uh, I played ball for the first time Sunday in five weeks, and I got another game today. But Softball? Still, still, yeah.
3: Oh, so you're dealing with like a Kevon Looney type injury right now?
1: I'm, I, was, I think it was, it was a pinched nerve. I'm, I don't go to doctors, so I diagnose myself. So uh, I said it's a pinched nerve in my neck.
3: Maybe I can get Dr. A to, to call in and, and get, get a, a diagnosis on you here, Ronus.
1: Well, I was fortunate enough. You know, there's sometimes there's nice people who follow us on Twitter, so someone saw what I tweeted out, and he contacted me. And he's a physical therapist, so he gave me a couple of exercises to get out some of the pain and to help out. So he was very helpful. So, you know, some, there, there's some helpful people in the world at times.
3: You're, you're a popular guy, Ronus. Look at that. Why don't you go uh, to doctors? You. You, 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 is it like a belief thing? You, you don't believe in doctors?
1: Uh, part of it, and also they're expensive, you know. That's uh, true. As you know, as you know, in the uh, fantasy industry, we don't have really the best medical coverage.
3: <laughs> look, I can't. Uh, I uh, can't deny that.
1: Right. Oh, by the way, before we get into uh, some basketball, did you see this documentary on Ron Artest on Showtime?
3: I I heard about it. I haven't watched it yet. I would be really interested to watch it because he has lived an interesting life, man. I mean, I can only imagine some of the things he talks about. I would I would be really interested to look into that because, I mean, the guy has just had a, such an interesting life. I mean, talk about like. I, I th- These were rumors. I don't know how true they are, but there were rumors of him like taking shots of Hennessy at halftime during NBA games like, like, when he first came into the league. That would not surprise me one bit when it comes to Ron Artest.
1: They didn't address that. I saw the documentary. It was excellent, and I think it gives a good insight into Artest because I think he had— you ask most people about Ron Artest, like, oh, he's crazy, malice in the palace— but I don't think a lot of people are aware of his mental health issues, and they kind of address it in this documentary. If you remember when he won the NBA title, he was thanking his sports psychologist. Do you remember that?
3: It sounds it sounds vaguely familiar, but uh, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, like there's there's definitely uh, there's definitely been some some things going on with Ron Artest in his life. Obviously, changed his name to uh, to Metta World Peace later on in his basketball career. So. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to check that out because uh, he's a really, really interesting dude. So I would like to learn more about that. But, but you're saying it was yeah, good, it right?
1: Yeah, w- it was really good. And then the other thing to take away from that is Jermaine O'Neal. <laughs> boy, that guy holds a grudge. He is not a fan of Ron Artest, man. In fact, they showed a clip of an article in the documentary that in 2018, Ron Artest and Jermaine O'Neal spoke for the first time in 14 years.
3: Wow, 14 years.
1: Yeah, O'Neal So O'Neill went to management about a year and a half before the suspension, and they said, You got to trade Artest, that this is not going to work. He's not dedicated. Remember, that was, and they were a young team. They had Reggie Miller, but they were a young group, and they were good. They lost to Detroit in the conference finals the year that Detroit won the championship. And Artest made a, a stupid elbow. Uh, he threw an elbow on Rip Hamilton, got a tactical. Hamilton hits four free throws, and that was kind of a difference in that game. So they were close, and it just felt like O'Neal and Artest never got along. And I think part of it was Artest our, our wasn't open, and he did have the mental health issues. And, you know, he he definitely had a volatile temper. Mike Jarvis, who coached him at St. John, said I've never seen a guy go from the most gentle, kind soul and then three seconds later just absolutely losing it. So it was very interesting. But, yeah, O'Neal is still there. better. To that today. Even when Artest won the championship and he's like, you know, I want to thank all the guys in Indiana. I feel bad that I he even said, you know, I, I feel bad. Because remember, he demanded a trade. After mm-hmm. coming back from the suspension, he demanded the trade. So O'Neal's like, You abandon us and I'm supposed to be happy watching you celebrate a championship with the Lakers. No, I'm not happy about that. So it's pretty interesting, man. Uh, and I think that's something in in sports that we take for granted. A lot of these guys don't get along, and we don't find out till years later.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, that that goes that goes for anything, right, Ronas? Like, all walks of life. I mean, you played on sports teams. You've been part of, you know, various different jobs and companies. Like, people aren't always going to get along. And, look, it's not going to be any different in the NBA. I, if anything, it's harder because you have to deal with all these different kinds of egos. And, you know, this guy wants to be the man, and this guy wants to be the man. And it, there's a lot to – you know, smooth out here. There, there's a lot to, uh, to to work with. I mean, you know, talking about being a head coach for one of these teams, it's probably one of the hardest things. I mean, God bless whoever was the head coach uh, during during that time for the Indiana Pacers. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that, those are a lot of egos to manage together. And, and it goes for really all walks of life. But I don't see why it would be any different when it comes to sports teams. If anything, it's probably even harder there, Ronus.
1: Yeah, it's true. When we worked together, we never got along. Now that we don't work together as much, it seems like the relationship's a lot better.
3: Oh come on, Ronis. <laughs> Always taking jabs.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh let's talk NBA finals. Did you feel Toronto let that slip away with Klay Thompson leaving that game early? Is that a game that they should have won?
3: Yeah, I thought this was a terrible loss for Toronto here. Uh, and and remember I had uh I had Golden State in six coming into this series and I thought that they would take one of these games uh that were that were in Toronto, but I mean for Toronto to lose that game, Klay Thompson to leave in the fourth quarter. And to get as many stops as they did down the stretch, Ronas, and not be able to capitalize on that. Um, you know, look, Golden State, give them credit. They woke up in the second half. They go on that 20-0 run. Uh, they they play good defense as well, but Toronto got so many stops. And, and, and for Klay Thompson to not be in that game in the fourth quarter and for them not to take advantage of that, I thought this was a really, really bad loss for Toronto, especially in their, in their home stadium there.
1: Do you think Klay Thompson plays tomorrow?
3: I don't. You know, he's dealing with this hamstring, even if it's a grade one injury. This is not something that you should be able to bounce back from quickly. Uh, look, even if he plays, I don't think he's going to be 100% from a usage perspective. You're going to see that tone down a little bit. You're going to see the, the minutes tone down if he were to play. Me personally, I don't think that he is going to play, but... They might try and force him out there because, look, there's. I don't think Durant's going to go. Kevon Looney's now dealing with the this injury, and he's not going to play in the rest of the NBA Finals. So are we going to be looking at a, a, a starting lineup of, what, Steph Curry, Quinn Cook, Iguodala, Boogie Cousins, Draymond Green? I, I just – I don't know how competitive they can be with that lineup, even in Oracle, because Toronto is a really deep team, as we've seen, in their starting lineup and on their bench. So me personally, I, I think as of right now, Klay Thompson is not going to play, and we're already starting to see some money come in on Toronto. We're seeing the, the line uh, move a little bit here. Golden State open laying minus five and a half. It's down to five. So I, I think a lot of people are also thinking Klay Thompson is not going to play in this one, Ronus.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, I saw the line at six yesterday. Now I see it at five. I, if you're picking right now, and you know, you don't have to make this pick to tomorrow, but it seems like five's a lot for Golden State with Thompson not 100%. I don't even think he would Dallas 100%. I know he hit that open three. It, it, don't you think that that seems like a lot of points for Golden State with the way they are constituted right now?
3: Yeah, I agree completely. I thought that it was it was pretty crazy for that line to open up that way. I know they're going back to Oracle, and it's the final final season for Oracle, uh, and, and you know they play so well at home. I understand all of that, but for Clay Thompson to be banged up and and Durant. Not going to play. play, and and Kevon Looney out, and Andre Iguodala banged up as well. I know, you know, he played better in the second half there the other day, but yeah, I thought it was really interesting that the the you, this game opened up with the Golden State Warriors laying six. You know, at the time, you know, if you if you had faith in Toronto to win this series, even before all these injuries, you should have jumped in when that number was at six because now it's moving the other way. So again. I could see this, this number dropping even lower, Rona. So if you want to get in on the Raptors now, and especially their money line, plus 192, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, personally, I don't think Klay Thompson's going to play in this one. What do you think?
1: Uh, I'm not sure, man. It sounds like th- that they might try and force him out there. But here's the thing. Can they win this game if Klay Thompson and Kevin Durant don't play?
3: I think the oh, – man, It's it's so tough. It is the Warriors we're still talking about. Steph Curry could catch fire, but uh, the Raptors have played physical defense against him, and they've done a really good job in limiting him, especially that second game. That's another reason why I thought it was a really bad loss for the Raptors. I think it's hard to count out the Warriors any game, but, man, without Clay and without Kevin Durant and a banged-up Iguodala, it it would be really, really hard. To see the Warriors winning that game, and and they're still laying five points. It's it's that's pretty, what's crazy. I mean, crazy, to be in.
1: They're home. They have the playoff experience, but how do you not double Curry every time he gets the ball if Thompson's out?
3: That's exactly right. You know, leave guys like Quinn Cook open. Leave Andre Iguodala open. Yes, Iguodala hit that that dagger of a three at the end of the game, but. Really, he's more of a passive player at this point in his career. You see, he has a lot of open shots throughout the postseason, and he passes them up. He'll drive and he'll kick it out to someone else, or he'll try anything that he can to get the ball in the hands of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And I get why he's doing that. Those players are better than him, but there are a lot of passive players right now. Like, yeah, you'll take your chances on, you know, Quinn Cook beating you from the outside or, you know, leave Draymond Green open from three because... Yeah, he can make threes here and there, but he's not a great shooter by any means. Uh, You know, Boogie Cousins is going to have to step up like he did in the last game. He had a double-double. I thought that was a really, really big performance from him uh, from a a physicality standpoint to see that, you know, he still has that to bounce back as quickly as he did, but from a confidence standpoint as well for Boogie Cousins. But I agree 100%. You know, uh, double Curry whenever he has the ball, double DeMarcus Cousins whenever he has the ball, and, and let these other guys beat you. and. I don't, I don't really see how it would happen with, without Klay Thompson.
1: Talking to Frank Stanfield from FNTSY, can DeMarcus Cousins have another performance like that? You know, where you saw eight minutes, then 28, you know, do, does have the two days off with the travel. Does he have another game like that in him? Because they're probably going to need it.
3: Yeah, I think so, too. And, uh, you know, I was actually looking at some props for for DeMarcus Cousins and all the Warriors players, right? So if you think Klay Thompson isn't going to play, then you could get some of these props at suppressed value right now. They have, like, DeMarcus Cousins rebounds at 7.5. He just had 10 rebounds in the last game and played 28 minutes. And I think – You know, at least if I'm sticking with what I've been saying about Klay Thompson, even if if he doesn't play or if he's limited at all, they're going to need a big game from DeMarcus Cousins. And I do think that he is capable of doing that. He gets two more days rest off in between here. And, you know, I I think proving to himself that he can play 28 minutes and and bang down low with bodies like Marcus Gasol and and Kawhi Leonard and all these other guys, I think that was really, really big for DeMarcus Cousins. Let's not forget how great of a player he really is. So, uh, yeah, I do expect him to to have another big game here. And and if Clay's out, um, he's gonna have to be even better. I think he's capable of that. Ronus.
1: Kawhi Leonard obviously had his big game, but the starters that were so good in Game One really didn't do it in Game Two. Uh, Pascal Siakam, obviously thirty-two points Game One. He wasn't as good. Marcus Sewell not as good. Danny Green, Kyle Lowry who fouled out. And that was the one thing that I didn't think would happen in game two. I didn't think they'd replicate that, which is why I I, went to Golden State, even though it looked bleak after that first half. But that's the key now. Can these guys get it done on the road in a hostile environment?
3: Yeah, it's a great question, too. And if you look all throughout the the postseason, the Raptors' role players have been much better at home uh, and haven't performed that that way on the road. Now, I will say this. I think Pascal Siakam is – more established he's better than just a role player at this point he is one of the stars of this team and for him to shoot five of 18 I thought that was you know inexcusable you look at the way that the Warriors are playing defense right now against the Raptors you know they're throwing a lot Kawhi Leonard's way if you watch these games you see a lot of wide open shots for Pascal Siakam and and Fred Van Vliet and Danny Green and the reason is they're sending a lot of defensive attention at Kawhi Leonard's way and rightfully so but I would have to imagine Pascal Siakam uh, somewhere in between the first and the second game no he's not going to be as good as game one he's not going to have over 30 points but he's not going to shoot five for 18 from the field again and you know only score 12 points uh, we've already seen that throughout this postseason. I mean, this is a coming out party for Pascal Siakam. The whole world gets to see, you know, how good he really is. And, and Fred Van Vliet, to his credit, you know, has done a really good job of making life difficult for Steph Curry. He's played good defense. The minutes have been there for him. So, uh, I think, you know, Fred Van Vliet with the minutes that he's been getting, I think he has a solid performance. I think Siakam bounces back a little bit here as well. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, you know, maybe not 34 points. Probably, uh, you know, comes down a little bit. But I, I do expect the Raptors role players here, or at least, you know, their stars, Siakam, to bounce back here.
1: Do you think Kevin Durant plays in this series? And if so, when does he return?
3: Well, that's a million-dollar question right now, Ronis. I don't think he's going to play in, in game three. You know, maybe if they lose game three, um, there's, there, there's, you know, uh, more pressure for him to get on the court. Uh, I think that's – I think they're going to play it game by game depending on – You know, when do they really, really have to force him out there? I do think that we're going to see him at some point in this series. But, you know, if they win game – if they win game three here, and let's just say they go back to Toronto and it's 2-2. to If they lose and they go down 3-2, to I think we see him in in Oracle back in game six. I don't think that we see him here in game three – but if they were to lose, I think it's a really fluid situation. I think it's dependent on when they're going to need him most, Ronas. If they go down at some point, then perhaps we see him in game four. Or if they're down heading back to Oracle 3-2, then I think we see him there. So I think either game four or game six is when we're going to see Durant.
1: I, wanna, I don't want to see the Golden State run come to an end with injuries as the excuse. Where if Durant doesn't play, Thompson misses a couple, and Toronto wins the title. I don't want to see that happen. If they're going to lose, and this is going to come to an end, I want it to be with no asterisks, no excuses. I don't know if that's going to happen, though, because it seems like Golden State is just not
3: 100%. Yeah, at this point, it, there's there's no way. Because if they lose here, Ronas, then it's going to be, oh, well, it's because Klay Thompson hurt his hamstring. It's going to be because Durant was hurt. And look, these things happen at this point in the year. It's such a long season, Ronas. We've seen this before. I mean, this is why we cut our fantasy basketball season short, because at the end of the season, there's so many players who are not even playing. At that point. But everyone has had to deal with this. I mean, we could have made that excuse for LeBron and the Cavs when he was playing without Kyrie Irving and all these other guys, right? So, you know, it's, it is what it is at this point. You have to play with the guys that got you here. But I have to agree. Like, I wouldn't want the Warriors kind of dynasty to end that way. Like, if Durant were to sign somewhere else after the season and Clay were to sign some, somewhere else, then we're constantly going to be left asking ourselves, what could have been for the Warriors? Could they have won that series against the Raptors if everyone was healthy? But a lot of players are banged up at this point, Rona. So I don't know if it's it's a fair excuse for the Warriors when you know LeBron and the Cavs had to deal with the same thing.
1: Have you made a pick yet for Game Three?
3: Right now, uh, you know I'm going to remain consistent. I don't think Clay Thompson is going to play, and if that's the case, then I'm leaning Toronto here. I think if you could jump on their money line at plus money, um, you're getting really, really good value with them.
1: Yeah, man, if Thompson is out, man, it's just it's hard to see where the offense comes from. You saw it in the last six minutes. They could not score.
3: Yeah, nobody could score in that game.
1: Yeah, it was fortunate for Golden State to hang on. All right, Frank, always good talking to you. We'll talk again soon.
3: Thanks, for me, Ronis.
1: All right, when we return, we'll wrap it up with some injury news in baseball and some lineups for the slate tonight. Busy night in DFS and season-long leagues because you still have some lineups to set. We'll help you out with it next Right here, full-time fantasy on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network Here it is Full-Time Fantasy here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. I'm Adam Ronis, of course. You can find me FullTimeFantasy.com. I have an article looking at Hinjin Ryu, who's on the mound tonight. What should you do with him? Is it time to sell? We know he has a lengthy injury history, and he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Find out what to do with him. We have the in-depth team NFL Outlooks continuing from Sean Childs now in the AFC West. Taking a look at the Kansas City Chiefs, a very interesting team, especially since we don't know what's going on with Tyree Kill right now. It is Damian Williams a running back you can count on? How good will Patrick Mahomes be? Get all these answers from Sean right now. And you could ask your questions on the message boards and forums and playffwc.com. Get in the draft now. Basketball, our online championships, our world championships, big money on the line, and come to Vegas At the Palms, that's where we'll be. First week in the NFL season, always a good time. So you could sign up and make a deposit now. Head on over to playffwc.com. If you are serious about fantasy football, it's never too early to start preparing for the 2019 season. And Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package. Including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Matic and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty, season-long, betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at RotoExperts.com with promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. The NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at RotoExperts.com. All right, we got some uh, news here on injuries. To me, this one is surprising. Miguel Cabrera is in the lineup today and will be the DH for the Tigers. We heard reports over the weekend that he needed a second opinion on his knee. He was saying how he couldn't generate power in his lower half, and we're seeing it. He has two home runs this year, so I thought it was a pretty much foregone conclusion he was going to land on the injury list, but that's not the case. He is in the lineup today still think you have to worry about him long term. He is hitting for average. He's hitting the ball hard, but no power. The launch angle is low. The fly ball rate is low, and uh, injuries are certainly a factor as he gets older. So uh, He was someone that right after draft season, I was like, I kind of wish I had him on one team. Well, sometimes when you lose out on something, it's pretty good, and in this case, I'm kind of glad about that because I don't think he's someone you want in your lineup right now. It's a Bad lineup to begin with. He's not going to score a lot of runs. There's no power there. I mean, he's basically an average guy. That's not good in today's game. You know, he's not going to give you the power. He's not going to give you the run scored. Even the RBIs won't be good enough. So just an average guy, it's not good enough in today's game. So not feeling good about him. And you have to wonder, too, is he going to be able to play through this? And he already didn't have power to begin with. And now with a bad knee, it's not a good sign for Miguel Cabrera owners. I uh, wouldn't feel good right now if I had him. And you were probably expecting him to land on the injury list. But the fact that he's going out there doesn't mean he's going to produce. Mike Clevenger threw a bullpen session today. He's expected to go on a minor league rehab assignment with A Columbus after that. He's not eligible to return until June 7th, which is this week. Uh, so... Uh, he's been dealing with that upper back strain, so he's going to make a couple of starts, it appears, at the minor league level, but man, if he's healthy, this could be a big boost for his fantasy teams. I have Clevenger like in four leagues, so I really use him back, and the Indians need him back too, because they are behind the Twins right now as the Twins are rolling, and uh, they need to get back in this division hunt, and... They need Bauer to turn it around. They need Carrasco to turn it around, but getting Clevenger back certainly helps. So that's uh, some good news there for him. Uh, Dominic Smith has a right thumb sprain. It's really unfortunate timing for him because he's really started to hit. They've been giving him some time in the outfield, but they do expect him to be available off the bench today. You know, I was ready to pick him up and had to dial it back with some of the bids because you I know, wasn't sure about his status. And, Even if he platoons, he's on the better half of it, getting in there against right-handed pitching. Mets did activate Jeff McNeil from the injured list. Uh, Robinson Cano was supposed to be activated today, but that's not the case just yet. Uh, So McNeil probably will play some second base until Cano comes back, which I guess could be any day now. Avisail Garcia is back in the lineup today for the Rays against the Tigers. He did not play all weekend due to left hamstring tightness, but... He is fine, and he's back. But Tommy Pham is still out of the lineup for the race. He was out all weekend with a cramp in his lower right leg. They expect him to be back today, but he is not back just yet. So uh, you got to make a decision there, uh, especially those NFBC leagues where you know he's out today. That means he's probably only going to be available for at most two games, and that's if, even if he returns to the lineup tomorrow. Let's take a look at the lineups for tonight as we've got a full slate p.m., White Sox in Washington. It'll be Reynaldo Lopez against Steven Strasburg for the White Sox. Lurie Garcia leads it off playing center field. Yoan Moncada is at third base, batting second. Jose Breos at first base, hitting third. James McCann is the catcher, hitting cleanup. Tim Anderson's at shortstop, hitting fifth. Eloy Jimenez in left field, batting sixth. Charlie Tilson's in right field, hitting seventh. Yolmer Sanchez at second base, hitting eighth. And Reynaldo Lopez on the mound, batting ninth. For the Nationals, Trey Turner leads it off playing shortstop. Adam Eaton's in right field, hitting second. Anthony Rendon's at third base, hitting third. Juan Soto's in left field, hitting cleanup. Matt Adams at first base, hitting fifth. He's in a good spot tonight. Brian Dozier's at second base, hitting sixth. Victor Robles, the center fielder, hitting seventh. Jan Gomes, the catcher, batting eighth. Steven Strasburg on the mound, batting ninth. The Pirates are in Pittsburgh. Max Fried against Steven Brault. For the Braves, Ronald Acuna leads it off playing center field. Dansby Swanson is off to a really good start. He's at shortstop, batting second. Freddie Freeman's at first base, hitting third. Josh Donaldson at third base, hitting cleanup. Nick Marcakis in right field, batting fifth. Austin Riley in left field, hitting sixth. Ozzie Albees at second base, hitting seventh. Tyler Flowers behind the plate, hitting eighth. Max Fried on the mound, hitting ninth. For the Pirates, Kevin Newman, it's been really hot ever since they put him in the leadoff spot. He's not playing shortstop today. Today, he is at third base, and he will lead it off. Ryan Reynolds in left field batting second. Uh, Gregory Polanco gets the night off. Starling Martez in center field hitting third. Melky is in right field hitting cleanup. Elias Diaz is the catcher hitting fifth. Jose Osuna is at first base hitting sixth, so Josh Bell gets the night off. Cole Tuckers at shortstop hitting seventh. Adam Frazier at second base hitting eighth. And Stephen Brault on the mound batting ninth for the Pirates. The Yankees are in Toronto. Masahiro Tanaka against Clayton Richard. Eric Sogard leads it off playing second base. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is at third base hitting second. Justin Smokes at first base hitting third. Rowdy Telez, the DH hitting cleanup. Randall Grichuk in center field hitting fifth. Kayvon Biggio in right field, hitting sixth. Lourdes Gurriel in right and left field, hitting seventh. Freddie Galvis, the shortstop, hitting eighth. And Danny Jansen behind the plate, batting ninth. The Rays are in Detroit. It'll be Blake Snell against Ryan Carpenter. Yandy Diaz is at first base, leading off. Avisel Garcia, the DH, hitting second. Austin Meadows in left field, hitting third. Christian Arroyo is at third base, hitting cleanup. Willie Adamas at shortstop, hitting fifth. Mike Zunino, the catcher, hitting sixth. Kevin is in center field, batting seventh. Heredia's in right field, hitting eighth, and Daniel Robertson at second base, batting ninth. For the Tigers, Nico Goodrum leads it off, playing shortstop. Christian Stewart's in left field, batting second. Nicholas Castellanos in right field, hitting third. As we talked about before, Miguel Cabrera is in the lineup. He is the DH, hitting cleanup. Brandon Dixon's at first base, hitting fifth. Dwell Lugo's at third base, hitting sixth. Rodriguez is at second base, hitting seventh. Grayson Griner is a catcher hitting eighth. And Jacoby Jones in center field batting ninth. The Giants in New York to take on the Mets. It'll be Madison Bumgarner against Noah Syndergaard. For the Mets, Jeff McNeil activated off the injury list. He is back playing second base tonight. He leads it off. Pete Alonzo is at first base hitting second. Michael Conforto's in right field hitting third. J.D. Davis gets the start in the left field. He's hitting cleanup. Wilson Ramos, the catcher hitting fifth. Todd Frazier at third base hitting sixth. Ahmed Rosario at shortstop hitting seventh. Carlos Gomez in center field hitting eighth on the mound. Noah Syndergaard batting ninth. The Twins are in Cleveland. It'll be Devin Smeltzer against Shane Bieber for the Twins. Max Kepler leads it off playing right field. Jorge Polanco's at shortstop hitting second. Nelson Cruz is back. So get him in your lineups uh, for this week. He is the DH, hitting third. Eddie Rosario is in left field, hitting cleanup. Mitch Garver is the catcher, hitting fifth. Marvin Gonzalez at first base, hitting sixth. Miguel Sano at third base, batting seventh. Jonathan Scope at second base, hitting eighth. And Byron Buxton in center field, batting ninth. For the Indians, Francisco Lindor leads it off, playing shortstop. Oscar Mercado is in left field, batting second. Carlos Santana is at first base, hitting third. Jordan Luplow in right field, hitting cleanup. Jose Ramirez at third base, hitting fifth. Jason Kipnis at second base, hitting six. Roberto Perez is the catcher, hitting seventh. Jake Bowers, the DH, hitting eighth. And Leonis we'll Martins in center field, batting ninth. The Marlins are in Milwaukee. It'll be Pablo Lopez against Chase Anderson. Pablo Lopez has some pretty stark home road splits. Way better at home, not as good on the road. And face, faces a uh, a tough uh, opponent today in Milwaukee. So he'll, he'll take on Chase Anderson. For the Marlins, Curtis Granderson leads it off playing left field. Garrett Coopers at first base, batting second. Brian Anderson at third base, hitting third. Sterling Castro's at second base, hitting cleanup. Harold Ramirez in right field, hitting fifth. JT Riddle in center field, batting sixth. Jorge Alfaro is the catcher, hitting seventh. Miguel Rojas at shortstop, hitting eighth. And on the mound, it'll be Pablo Lopez, batting ninth. The Rockies are in Chicago to take on the Cubs. It'll be Jeff Hoffman against Kyle Hendricks. For the Rockies, Ramel Tapia leads it off playing left field. Trevor Stories at shortstop, batting second. David Dahls in right field, hitting third. Nolan Arenado at third base, hitting cleanup. Daniel Murphy at first base, hitting fifth. Ryan McMahon at second base, batting sixth. Ian Desmond at center field, batting seventh. Tony Walters behind the plate, hitting eighth. And Jeff Hoffman on the mound, batting ninth. For the Cubs, Kyle Schwarber leads it off, playing left field. Chris Bryant at third base, hitting second. Anthony Rizzo at first base, hitting third. Javier Byers is at shortstop hitting cleanup. Carlos Gonzalez gets another start in right field batting fifth, too. I, I don't know why he's getting those chances. Victor Caratini is the catcher hitting sixth as Wilson Contreras gets the night off. He had a home run yesterday, too, so he's been uh, re- producing after a little bit of a slump. He's been in a slump lately, but still overall numbers for the year are great. Jason Haywards in center field hitting seventh. Addison Russell is the second baseman hitting eighth. And Kyle Hendricks on the mound batting ninth. The Orioles are in Texas uh, as they are taking on uh, – actually, we got the Giants lineup here uh, against the Mets. Joe Panic is at second base leading off. Your scrimpster in left field hitting second. Evan Longoria is at third base hitting third. Brandon Belt's at first base hitting cleanup. Steven Vogt, the catcher, hitting fifth. So, no buster posing in the lineup today. Kevin is in right field hitting sixth. Brandon Crawford's at shortstop hitting 7th, Stephen Dugger in center field hitting 8th, and Madison Bumgarner on the mound, batting 9th. Uh, we got the Orioles in Texas. It'll be Dylan Bundy against Drew Smiley for the Rangers. Shin Chu leads it off playing left field. The Lionel DeShields gets the start in center field. He's hitting 2nd. Andrews is at the shortstop hitting 3rd. Nomar Mazara in right field hitting cleanup. Hunter Pence, the DH, hitting 5th. Estruba Cabrera is at 3rd base hitting 6th. Rugnett Odor at second base, hitting seventh. Ronald Guzman at first base, hitting eighth. And Isaiah Kiner-Falefa is the catcher, batting ninth. The Red Sox are in Kansas City. It'll be Eduardo Rodriguez against Glenn Sparkman. For the Royals, Whit Merrifield leads it off, playing right field. Nicky Lopez at second base, hitting second. Alberto Mondesi at shortstop, hitting third. Alex Gordon in left field, hitting cleanup. Jorge Soler is the DH, hitting fifth. Chester Cuthbert is at first base. Hitting sixth, Hunter Dozier was placed on the injury list yesterday, so he's out for the week. Uh, Gutierrez at third base hitting seventh. Martín Maldonado, the catch rating eighth. Billy Hamilton in center field batting ninth for the Royals. The Reds are in St. Louis. It'll be Luis Castillo against Genesis Cabrera. Nick Senzel leads it off playing center field. Joey Vados at first base batting second. Eugenio Suarez at third base hitting third. Yassi Puig's in right field hitting cleanup. Jose Iglesias at shortstop hitting fifth. Kurt Casale is the catcher, hitting six. Kyle Farmers at second base, hitting seven. So, Derek Dietrich sits against the left-hander. Jose Peraza is in left field, hitting eighth. And Luis Castillo on the mound, batting ninth. For the Cardinals, Matt Carpenter leads it off, playing third base. Paul DeYoung at shortstop, batting second. Paul Goldschmidt at first base, hitting third. Marcelo Zunas in left field, hitting cleanup. Matt Wieters, the catcher, hitting fifth. Dexter Fowler's in right field, hitting sixth. Colton Wong at second base, hitting seventh. Harrison Bader in center field hitting eighth, and Genesis Cabrera on the mound hitting ninth. The Dodgers are in Arizona. It'll be Hinjin Ryu, who is undefeated a month of May with an ERA below one. He'll take on the Diamondbacks and Taylor Clark. For the Diamondbacks, Catel Marte leads it off playing center field. Eduardo Escobar is at third base, batting second. Adam Jones is in right field, hitting third. David Peralta, who came off the injury list yesterday, he's in left field hitting cleanup. Christian Walker, who had cooled off, picking it up again. He homered yesterday. He's at first base, hitting fifth. Vargas at second base, batting sixth. Nick Ahmed is the shortstop, hitting seventh. Carson Kelly is the catcher, hitting eighth. And Taylor Clark on the mound, batting ninth. The A's are taking on the Angels on the road. It'll be Frankie Montas coming off one of his worst starts of the year. He'll go up against Griffin Canning, who's been really good. You know, that he was a guy that some people spent up in fab. That has worked out. Hasn't worked out for Corbin Martin, who was terrible once again for Houston yesterday. And that's a concern. That's a rotation spot you want to keep an eye on. uh, Because I don't know if Corbin Martin is going to make his second start this week. Uh, He has not been good. He has not had command. He's been wild out of the strike zone. He's allowed home runs. So uh, he was removed after three innings yesterday. Valdez came in and actually pitched well. So maybe he's a candidate to take over in that rotation. So keep an eye on that. Speaking of the Astros, they're taking on the Mariners today. Wade Miley gets the start. He's been very good this year. The Phillies are in San Diego. Gerard Eichhoff has struggled lately. Velocity's down a little bit too. He'll take on Chris Paddock, who obviously had a little bit of a rough start last week against the Yankees, but it was on the road. And he did bounce back. You know, he gave up a few home runs, uh, but he bounced back. And now he has a two-start week this week, and uh, you want him in there. Uh, Could be low-owned in DFS tonight, but there's a few decent options on the slate that you can use. And again, we went over a lot of those in the first hour. So. If you missed that, you can always check it on on demand. It is uploaded pretty quickly after the show ends. So still a couple uh, lineups that we're waiting for as you get set to put your lineups in for the week. Because there were only four games yesterday, so hopefully you're in a league where it's the first pitch of that game. Uh, and again, uh, one of the surprises today is the Lionel DeShields in the lineup, uh, not Danny Santana. I still think Santana gets a lot of playing time. The Oris also activated Chris Davis off the injured list. Not that it matters for many, but maybe in AL only leagues as uh, he was batting just 171. But uh, make sure you check out fulltimefantasy.com. we got excellent content helping you prepare for the fantasy football season as well as fantasy baseball. I have a look at Hyunjin Ryu and what you should do with him. And, of course, we have our in-depth team outlook, Sean Child says look at the Kansas City Chiefs. And head on over to playffwc.com. Hop in to draft today. Best ball, our online championships, our world championships, different price points, big prizes. Pick the date that works best for you and hop in now. That wraps it up. We'll be back Wednesday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern here on the Fantasy. Sports Radio Network.